Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Biopharma Podcast. We're excited to have Jared Rompey from CRB here today as a guest. Uh, Jared is based out of the Midwest and, like most of us, is working from home due to COVID-19. So we're, uh, we're, we're looking forward to talking to him today. How are you doing today, Jared? I'm great. How are you, Jesse? I'm doing well. I'm excited to have another interview here today with Jared. Uh, Jared's with CRB, as I said before. He has a lot of years' experience working in the biopharma industry as a project manager, a process engineer, process utility engineer, and he's based out of the Midwest. So before we get started, Jared, could you just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're at, um, you know, family, kids, things you like to do? Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so again, my, yep, my name's Jared. I've uh, been at CRB for um, almost 19 years, um, and that's that's really where I started out of out of uh, college. I graduated from K State, Kansas State University, in uh, uh, 2001, um, master's degree in architectural engineering. Um, but I do uh, I've done critical utilities or process utilities for my my whole career. Um, I've seen a lot of plants and a lot of cool things um, in that time. So. Um, Got a got a, got a wife and and four kids and two dogs and a cat. Um, we all are in the sa- in the same house currently, except for except for the oldest right now, who's still at his uh, in his own house at college. So it's a uh, it's a full house, but we're managing. Well, that is a full house um, for sure. So what what is the office that you work out of right now? I'm in Kansas City office. Okay, so Kansas City, that's one of the, the bigger CRB offices. Are you working all over the country, or are you more regionally based in your work? I've been all over. Um, you know, at, for, my, for most of my career, a good, good portion of my career, I spent a lot of time in, on the West Coast um, working projects okay. out there. But I've also, um, you know, established some pretty good, pretty good relationships with uh, people in the industry. And so I actually, right now, I have... Um, I have projects, uh, a couple, couple projects on the East Coast and, and some in Texas, and um, and uh, I've got one in Nebraska right now, and and still some on on the West Coast. So I'm pretty, I've got all the time wow. zones covered. Yeah, I actually don't have anything <laughs> the mountain time zone right now. So that's that is, uh, it makes for an interesting day for sure. Yeah, you can spread those calls out, have some uh, calls in the morning at breakfast, and maybe some at dinner. So. Um, so I'm, I'm interested, have you always been in the biofarm space? I know CRB works in many different industries, um, certainly different offices even work in multiple industries. So what, what have you done over the course of your career? Yeah, um, so Ryan Schrader, who's our, our president, um, is that was actually my first boss at CRB. He was, he was uh, my, my core team leader, and it's a biotech core team. So that's been our focus for, been my focus my, my entire career. I have done some stuff in, um, in pharmaceutical, which we, we break down into a little bit different, um, you know, a smaller subset, I guess, is of biopharm. Um, haven't done a ton of, I've done a little bit of food consulted on some food, but I haven't done a lot of that and not a lot of labs or, or any, anything like that. So almost entirely bio, bio farm manufacturing. All right. So you got your start right away, uh, right out of college, you were able to start working, uh, in this industry and, uh, and all over the country. So that's a lot of great experience. Um, so you've had 20 years to give or take in the industry. What are some of the big things that you've seen change over the course of your career? I mean, there's there's the obvious things, right? I mean, um, you know, there's been a, a, a pretty large shift there in the middle of that to uh, single-use tech. 
um, which obviously changes some things. You know, if you, uh, I spent, a, you know, the first third of my career getting um, acclimated and, and knowing uh, CIP systems and how to generate lots and lots and lots of water. Uh, but then, you know, single use comes along and I don't need to do that anymore. I need a different, a, a different kind of uh, set of skills. So um, I think we're moving back to a place where, you know, that there's kind of a hybrid approach coming, you know, in the, uh, that's kind of coming around. People are, are seeing the, you know, the, the benefits of having some fixed tanks as well as having some, some single use tech. So uh, we're kind of seeing that as the, um, an, Oh, well, we cut out a little bit there, but that's okay. Um, so this hybrid approach, um, I'd like to just talk a little bit more about that. So, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of single use facilities, but can you talk about where somebody might prefer a more fixed piece of equipment versus a single use, uh, piece of equipment in designing their facility? You know, if, uh, let's just say we're talking about a MAB process or something like that. Single use makes a, makes a lot of sense, and maybe it's a 2,000-liter scale. Um, but, you know, if you're producing a lot of buffers or something like that and you need to turn that quickly, obviously you're going to have to have a lot of warehouse space to manage all of those bags if you were going to mix that up in single-use um, single use mixers. So doing that in a fixed tank and then dispensing into bags um, that is a, that is a, an approach that as a you know cleaning cleaning buffers that are made up of salts and alcohol and that sort of thing is uh, not very rigorous and not super water intensive so it's something that's um, at least entertained um, as a as a possibility that's great so you do a lot with utilities in your in your role um, do you see much emphasis on the idea of minimizing utilities being more efficient things like that or is it more uh, process driven, quality driven, and that's really what happens. And then the utilities sort of come after that as a side benefit. I, I think it's probably a little both. I, I you know, there is a, a pretty big push, and I have talked to several clients that are, you know, they're talking about being, uh, you know, net zero carbon um, emissions, mm -hmm. you know, by a certain date. And so there's a big push, um, and a water is obviously a large um, part of our industry. So there's a big push to reduce that consumption and really reduce all the utilities that are okay. uh, required to generate water. So, um, you know, if you look at a large plant that is a large traditional plant, it's everything's going to kind of pivot around um, energy wise is going to pivot around water for injection. So as far as a major energy uh, consumer. So um, I think, you know, people also see um, the move to single use as the ability to not have, um, not have a bunch of stainless tubing. So therefore, you know, if I, you know, there's a the cleaning effect, I don't have to clean it, but I also uh, get to uh, avoid the uh, upfront installation cost on some of that too. Not, not that the single yeah. use stuff doesn't have cost, but that it's, um, there's certainly some benefits scheduled and, and uh, you know, manpower wise. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. You've, you've seen facilities really start to go up fast and, and some of this new single use technology really makes that a little bit easier because you don't have the same kind of infrastructure involved. Um, but um, I just want to move on to, you know, you've worked at a lot of facilities around the country. What's maybe a specialty that you really developed over the years working on different types of facilities? So um, one of my first my first project at CRB was actually at a, a, a plasma um, fractionation plant in uh, Los Angeles. For it was uh, originally Baxter, and that's now a Takeda site. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, if you're if you're at all familiar with how those processes work, you've got um, a lot of opportunity to to learn a lot of different things. So obviously, there's there's water for injection, and there's um, different uh, there's CIP and that sort of thing. But um, a, a lot of it also had the capability for me to learn a lot about um, different heat transfer, um, different aspects of heat transfer, and heat tr- different kinds of heat transfer fluids. So, I've actually kind of got the uh, both ends of the spectrum as far as uh, dirty critical utilities. Uh, so, you know, heat transfer fluids that maybe you know run through jackets or um, ex- heat exchangers and that sort of thing, as well as the clean side. So um, that's my uh, my focus has been critical utilities for for my whole career. But um, I I would definitely say um, you know water and, and heat transfer are my um, the two areas where I have I have the most experience. Yeah. So fluids and heat transfer those are both uh, pretty big deals in a pharmaceutical plant, and uh, really touch just about everything that's going on in a plant. So um, those are those are good specialties to have. So uh, another question I had, and I just wanted to sort of throw it out there and see what you think, but you've been to a lot of facilities, you get to see a lot of different processes. What's something that when you go into a plant, you see a lot of places maybe not taking advantage of, an improvement that is readily available that people could move to and improve how their plant runs? Um, hmm, that's a really good question. You know, the, the thing that's kind of, I, I would, I guess I'll default to the thing that's in vogue now or, or what shows up on, on my, in my inbox more often than not. And that's the use of ozone and high purity water systems. Hmm. Um, we've, we've been, we've actually been doing that for, you know, 20 years. Um, but it's being more and more and more common. Um, they actually have some pretty large systems that are, that are using ozone for standardization. Um, but, where now I have a, a system that's um, that's uh, we just built in uh, the Northeast that was is actually a membrane WIFI that was ozone sanitized. So mm-hmm. from the tank distribution perspective, and um, it's it's really cool because I mean it makes for a really um, energy efficient and um, fast system. It doesn't require a bunch of time for standardization and that sort of thing. And um, when we a lot of times we'll go in and we'll uh, we'll do studies that are, um, you know, throughput based. Like how many how many more batches can we get uh, in a week or whatnot? Well, if you're spending four hours uh, every week sanitizing, you're and you're not able to produce during that period. Obviously, that's you could regain that by shortening that window. So I feel like mm-hmm. uh, ozone's underutilized in our industry. I think it's gaining some momentum though. So this is a, an interesting subject and one that. I'm also in water, so this is one I'm a little bit more familiar with than maybe some other subjects that you could talk on. But um, I'm really interested to understand where you're seeing the adoption of this start to happen, maybe more than other things. Um, Like what kind of customers are willing to do this? um, And, you know, what sort of catalyzing this change um, and and getting somebody to switch over from heat to a, a new technology like ozone? I feel like the the people that are that are willing to investigate are willing to look at membrane are also willing to look at ozone. It, it comes up almost every time when we do a membrane system because they're like, yep. okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this. So how do I, what's the next level that I could go to? Um, God, honestly, the, you know, the, the, uh, all, there's a lot of these startup, um, cell and gene therapy plants and specifically gene yeah. therapy plants that are, um, cutting edge and 
you know, data based and and look at it for, look at it objectively rather than having a bunch of history that's or, or dogma that's holding them back. Um, so those are the ones that seem to be uh, willfully adopting it quickly. So uh, we've actually got a few plants we're we're doing in the, with that method um, that that are you know anywhere from west coast to to east coast. Yeah, and a lot of those those newer plants they don't really have the same kind of playbook that some of the more traditional plants had, right? So they. Um, they're maybe a little bit more willing to try out some new new things that wouldn't have uh, happened otherwise. So you know, what are some of these risk factors that these customers are looking at, worried about when they are looking to make a decision to switch to something like ozone? Not at all. I mean, the, the primary risk that everyone's concerned about is operator exposure. Um, and, and, you know, that the what I normally tell people is um, – we we want to do this. You know, if you look at it like a, a hot Wi-Fi system, you would want to set this uh, set the temperature in a way that um, is the most energy energy efficient, but also does what it's intended to do. So, um, same thing goes for ozone. I would want to set that concentration as low as possible, but that also does what it's intended to do while thinking about personnel hazards and that sort of thing. So. Um, you know, you can you can put a lot of controls, and that's sort of like not a lot of controls. You can put some controls in place to mitigate those factors, but generally speaking, it's it's not as um, not as risky as many people believe, especially at the low doses that were right. uh, that are going to be necessary for our systems. Well, that's great. So, uh, moving on, I just wanted to ask, you know, what's what, what's something that you're excited about? You've been in the industry for a long time. So what what's that thing that gets your engineering juices flowing right now? <laughs> well, currently there's a lot of COVID stuff going on, so that's yeah. really yeah uh, yeah um, that the we've actually I've got I've got a handful on my plate right now of you know people and doing you know working on uh, different therapies and vaccines and whatnot that uh, um, are in a, are in a real hurry so been really busy here the last few weeks and it's it's a it's a cool place to be i mean that's the exciting part is to get to have something that can make such a global impact um and have that be your your everyday job so that's the thing that usually gets me pretty excited um the other thing is uh i mentioned cell and gene therapy i mean we start talking about those and we we use the word cure in the sentence that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah, cure. Uh, that is a word we don't actually use a lot in our industry. It's more therapy or medication or something, but that's a big one. Um, well, right now, you know, obviously, big COVID is the is the big thing. I gotta ask: have, have you ever experienced the amount of calls that you're probably getting right now before about one thing? I mean, you're a good guy, but are you that popular normally? No, I've never seen any. I mean, nobody has. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not not many well, people are alive have seen anything like this. So. Your job, right? Yeah. That's the cool part, though, is that I'm like, you know, it, I spent a lot of time um, working with a lot of different people on a lot of different plants. And those people move around, but I've, you know, stayed. I've stayed at CRB. So um, getting to see how uh, people I've, I know um, and know personally are, you know, really, really making breakthroughs and, and getting out, trying to get out in front of it. It's really, you know, it's, it's cool. I'm cheering for it, cheering for them because I, I know these people. This is going to be really interesting. I've already heard of uh, multiple facilities starting to ramp up um, things like production uh, for uh, therapies that, that, you know, they're just figuring this out as they go. So, you know, the, the world is going to start getting a glimpse into 
our world in a way that they've never had before. And at the same time, probably going to be seeing it being done like it's never been done before, you know? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to set the expectation that we can do it this fast all the time. So prepare well, for that. Good luck. That's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to, that's going to probably impact you a little bit more than me with, with your role, but um, that's okay. Um, so this is another question I have. Um, and I, I, I'm trying to ask this to a lot of my guests to just sort of get some feedback, but you got a lot of professional experience here in our, in the biofarm space. And I'm wondering what would you tell yourself if you could go back 10 years? Like what's a great piece of advice that you would give your younger self 10 years ago? Oh gosh. You know, some and of it, these, and it can't be a stock pick. It can't be a stock pick. That's, that's no, not allowed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that so. anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Gosh, you know, I, 10 years ago, that would have been 2010. Um, what would I tell myself 10 years ago that I, that I wish I'd known today is, um, don't, don't be afraid to use stainless. Um, there's, there's a lot of things, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, and not, I'm not talking about high purity. I'm just talking about in general. Um, there's, there's been plenty of times that things have come up on projects where, um, you know, in hindsight, we might have we might have used stainless over carbon steel or something like that. Even though uh, may have been acceptable in the long run, it was better for the plant to uh, to look at it from that perspective. Better for the manufacturer that's making the equipment. Um, and you know, I think I figured this out in my first ten years, but I would I would still tell myself ten years ago that uh, relationships are 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 more important than than profit. Um, you know, maintaining, maintaining relation, good working relationships with people in industry is, is, uh, is super, super important. Yeah. That's something I think I'm going to hear a lot of, uh, with this question and I'm glad I do because, uh, it, it's, it's where so much of this, uh, really happens. That's why we're doing this podcast is to try to connect people and, and help people, um, you know, get to know each other within the industry. So I have only one more question for you. And, uh, that's, a. I just kind of want to have you share something. Um, you know, what's, what's a final word of advice to our community, the, the people that you and I would interact with on a daily basis, the engineers, uh, managers that are involved in making of, uh, these therapies and drugs that we all rely on so much. What would I tell, what would I tell them? Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a sales pitch, but I mean, we we're, I'm here to help. I mean, it's, I realize that everybody is in, is fighting fires right now and everybody is going as fast as possible. So, um, sometimes help doesn't mean that I, you know, I'm building something for you or designing something for you. Sometimes help is just, can I, can you help me run down or give me a reference on, on something like that? So making use of that network, making use of those relationships. I, I'm, that's the thing that I would want everybody to hear is that, you know, our network's, um, pretty vast. I mean, it's a small world. Um, I, I, I run into people all the time, um, that, you know, I had no idea that they'd made three jumps and somehow we're back in the same world, but you know, yeah. the, the biofarm industry is not, not a, uh, there's not a lot of people. There's a lot of, it's a, it's a big industry, but people wise expertise wise, it's, um, uh, pretty, pretty tightly knit community. So, um, that's what I would, that, that's what I would want to encourage everybody to do is that, you know, that I'm fully confident in our industry to be able to figure this thing out. Um, 
quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. I, I agree, Jared. Uh, you know, it kind of goes back to your 10 years um, comments as well. And that just these relationships that we keep um, are just more important than we, we probably even realize uh, on a regular basis. Uh, things pop up and, and, you know, maybe pride gets in the way and we, we don't call when we should. Um, but really, it's just a matter of reaching out and, uh, and touching base with people and, and asking questions and being genuinely interested. And, and ultimately, those conversations can really help us in, in so many different ways. So thanks again for today. That's all we have. And I just want to say thank you for being on, uh, for being willing to spend this time with me and uh, and all of our listeners and uh, look forward to seeing you again in the future at other events venues and all the things that you are participating in so have a great day yeah you too jesse thanks